Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. Welcome back. It's Talking Out Loud. I'm your boy Sully, and we got another episode coming to you right now, Monday morning. It's November 21st, and it is a beautiful week for Dayton Flyers basketball. We got three games coming up this week, one of the busiest weeks of the season, and I'm excited to give you an hour-long show with the best coverage anywhere on the internet for your Dayton Flyers. It's uh, it's a great morning here. I love the Thanksgiving week to really thrust us headlong into the college basketball season. But we got some things to cuss and discuss before we get to that. Flyers wrap up a weekend where uh, they had a get-right game, and um, depending on your definition of the term, the Flyers did indeed get right. Robert Morris came into the arena Saturday afternoon and took a 60-51 defeat at the hands of your Dayton Flyers. Another unimpressive offensive performance. And, you know, as we as we look at the small sample set, Flyers are now 3-1. and one. You know, we got to be honest with ourselves. Dayton hasn't looked good in any of these games. Not one. Um, it didn't look good against Linda Wood in the opener. Certainly didn't look great against SMU, but they found a way to win. And I think that was what was asked of them. It's what asked of any basketball team on any night. UNLV game, second half, was abysmal, uh, even if I'm being generous. And offense struggled against Robert Morris. That's just the reality. This team does not look great right now. However, a lot of things have been working against this team. All right, You can call them excuses, but I, I call them reality. Flyers get their point guard, Malachi Smith, back for the first time this season against Robert Morris. Yeah, that in itself is enough to change the makeup of the team. 
he logs 21 minutes um, and is some rusty work, let's call it. Um, Malachi ends up with five points, two turnovers, three assists, comes down with three boards, you know, two for six from two point land over two from downtown. Nothing overly impressive. that's going to jump off the page at you. Uh, Kobe Brea did not play said it's an illness. Uh, Mongolian Mike apparently also dealing with some kind of illness, although he logged 13 minutes. I have to question, they said Kobe Brea was in the hospital with an illness the night before. That was the scuttlebutt on the streets. I have to wonder why he was on the bench the very next day if the illness was in fact that serious. But you see the overall point and where we're headed right now is this is a big week. This is a defining week for the non-conference for the season. This week will kind of dictate how many landmines the Flyers can step on in A-10 play without uh, blowing themselves up and blowing up the resume, the proverbial resume for the NCAA tournament. But a lot of things have been working against this team. You know, you... You lose Kamara in the second half of the UNLV game. I think that was a large part as to why they lost that game. The rebounding kind of fell off a cliff. Um, again, the aforementioned point guard situation um, with Malachi Smith. Uh, but really what we're talking about right now is that you can get to 3-1 and one or where we're at right now and look a little bit better than the Flyers have. And I think the main concern right now is that the sum is not as good as the parts. And that is really where my problem lies here in the early season is that we're looking at the entire date. And, and here's the thing. You walked into the season, and I know there was hundreds of people listening to the show right now that walked into the season and said, I am fired up that we are ranked 24, top 25 team to start the year. This team has loads and loads of talent. Man, this, this is going to be an awesome season, and it still probably will be, in fairness. But with those expectations, you have to look at these first four games and say, Dayton has not looked like the 24th best team in the country. Just point blank. They haven't looked that good. They haven't even looked like a top 50 team in the country right now. So I think the concern is that we are not getting that sum that should be a culmination of the parts. There are so much talent on this roster, too much talent, in fact, for this to be the result. And so whether this morning, Monday, you're on the side of saying, well, the Flyers will get healthy and they'll fix a lot of their problems. I, I tend to think that there is merit in that discussion or that point. I think that a lot of these issues can be fixed by the Flyers getting healthy and putting their God's honest best lineup on the floor. Now, we can obviously argue what that lineup is, but I think it all starts with Malachi Smith getting back into the fold. And I think that a lot of the opinion on Saturday was that the offense looked considerably better with Malachi on the floor However, they didn't put together a full 40 minutes of you know consistent offense. And I think that's really where the problem lies right now is that you have Robert Morris come into the arena so that you can mop up on him, get right, head into the Bahamas. You know, this game against Wisconsin on Wednesday is going to be a far greater test than anything that this team has faced. And 
The concern right now that well there there's many concerns. But one of the biggest ones is that the most explosive offensive player to date right now, statistically, is Mustafa Amzil. That's a problem. Deron Holmes, um, you know, for all of his fanfare, draft status, um, you say whatever you want to say about him, he's had an underwhelming start to the year. And I think that is largely due to the fact that Malachi has not been on the floor. So all of the defensive pressure and the spotlight, magnifying glass, whatever example you'd like to use, it's directly on Deron. You saw that against UNLV. Packed the paint. Every time he touched the ball, he was faced with two, three guys in his face. And, and he didn't handle it well. And, and I think that's going to be a key to the season moving forward is how does Duran handle the spotlight of every defense? You know, how does Duran counteract those double teams? Is he getting the ball out quicker? You already seen that he, he does have a good eye for passing, um, but it's not elite yet, you know, and, and I know Dayton fans know what that looks like because Obi did it for two seasons where he was an elite passer from the post. And I think that Duran is showing glimpses of greatness in that regard, but just hasn't put it all together yet. And, you know, against Robert Morris, I, I'd like to see that he had a bounce back game. They didn't have the the horses to compete down low. Duran finishes with 18 points, six of eight from two point land. And frankly, that's the, the performance that you want to see from him on a nightly basis. It's going to be a lot easier to generate those kind of numbers against Robert Morris than uh, Wisconsin coming up, who has two bigs, mind you, and um, other side of the the break that we have uh, Wisconsin preview coming up here with uh, one of the beat writers, um, great young reporter. It's a, it's a good interview. You you will enjoy it. But Duran's going to be tested again, and more so in the fashion that he was against UNLV. This is going to be a serious test for him uh, coming up here on Wednesday. But again. If you walked into the season saying they have a lot of talent and I really like the the prospect of this season, where it's headed, you can't turn course right now and say, well, everything's fine. Everything's definitely not fine. Now, whether you are willing to blame all of it on the injuries, guys getting healthy in general, sickness, um, the you know the alternative point to make in, in this discussion we're having around reality is that the Flyers have not had one game yet where they've had their entire lineup on the floor. You know, the the team that was intended to take the floor. And I think we've discussed before that if things aren't going well for the Flyers or they don't have exactly the personnel that they want on a given night, this is not a staff, this is not a team that is going to pivot quickly and come up with new ways to score the basketball or drastically change the game plan uh, on any given night. That, that's just not going to happen. Um, or if it's going to happen, we haven't seen it to this point, and I'm not in the business of guessing um, of these hypotheticals. What we've seen so far, the Flyers aren't going to make these great changes anywhere down the line when things are not going their way. So I am of the belief that getting all these guys back healthy, having people um, work off one another because the offense is you know designed so that these guys can work off one another, take what you see instead of design plays. I think that the injuries probably will fix, alleviate a lot of the concerns that we're having right now. But unfortunately, where we sit at this particular juncture is that there's some concerns. Um, when Mustafa Amzil's your best player, 
when you're struggling to score 60 points against Robert Morris, I think people are more than validated to be concerned given that we went into the season thinking this was going to be some juggernaut of a team. And to this point, they have been, let's call it league average, A-10 average. Um, But luckily for the Dayton Flyers on Wednesday, they have a game against Wisconsin who likes to play the exact style that they do. Slow the pace down, first one to 60, take open looks, don't force it, and play great defense, which can turn into offense. I think the things that I'm going to be looking for here in the Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas is can the Flyers get out and transition to create more buckets from defense? I think that they really have gotten away from scoring fast break points, but that's when the team's at their best. And we talked about it now almost every episode. The other big thing that's really holding the Flyers down is they don't have any damn shooters. But 29% so far through the year is their number. And it was the same story against Robert Morris. It was 7 for 24 against Robert Morris. You go back a little bit further against UNLV, they were 8 for 26. You go to the SMU game, same thing, 8 for 26. Even opening night against Lindenwood, they were 5 for 19. So this team has got to get it figured out from from deep because they clearly are relying on deep shots. They clearly are setting up on the perimeter. I mean, you see the ball go around the perimeter countless times. That, that seems to be a staple of our offense is let's pass around the perimeter. So if that's going to be the game plan, we got to make sure we're knocking down shots, and that just has not happened to date. So again, where we are heading into this tournament right now is that Flyers sit at 3-1, and one, not necessarily pushing the panic button now, but I think it is legitimate, and I will say that you are validated to have some, le- some reasonable concerns about this team so far into the season. So don't turn course. You know, if you expected this team to be great, they might still be great. You know, the probability actually is still in their favor that they will be great given what we saw last year. But also, the struggles that we're seeing right now in the early season were similar to a lot of the struggles that Dayton had last year. They're carrying over. You know, we're seeing slow, methodical offense with bad shooting. We're seeing no continuity, long scoring droughts. All of those things were staples of last year, even when the Flyers were at their best. And here they are rearing their ugly head all over again. I really don't want to have to go through another season where it's a slog to get to 60 points every single night, but that might be where we're headed. Again, the name of the game here is winning ball games, and if you're winning ball games, everything else can be cured. Uh, Abby Schnabel from uh, the Wisconsin State Journal, beat writer again for the Badgers. Great young reporter. This interview we got coming up on the other side of the break was awesome. She uh, gives some insights into... Uh, into the team, uh, where they came from, you know, as far as the the beginning of the season, um, Wisconsin has jumped out to a three and zero start, which we'll hear a little bit more about um, in this interview here coming up. But uh, obviously, Dayton fans are going to get caught looking ahead a little bit. See if we can get that matchup against Kansas, the grudge match. Um, you know, three times we'll play them in four years if we can get there. But Wisconsin stands in the way, and they are going to be a formidable test. They're certainly not the team that won the Big Ten last year, but they got shades of it. They have uh, they have pieces and parts that mimic that team last year, so there ain't going to be no slouch. They're going to give Dayton everything they have, and man, I'm fired up for that game. That's Wednesday afternoon 
at 2.30 in Nassau. All right, quick break. You know the drill, and then we're getting over. Abby Schnabel is coming up on the other side of the break to give you a little preview about the Wisconsin Badgers. You're listening and talking out loud right here with your boy Sully. Welcome back into the show. This is still Talking Out Loud with your boy Sully, and we're still... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number one podcast in the Atlantic 10. Uh, upon us this week is the Battle for Atlantis tournament. The Flyers take the road going down to the Bahamas for the annual uh, Thanksgiving holiday bash of tournaments and basketball games. And we usually get ourselves into a pretty good tournament. And this year is absolutely no exception. Uh, Dayton taking on Wisconsin Wednesday afternoon at uh, Nassau, Bahamas, in the Bad Boy Mowers battle for Atlantis. There will surely be tons of commercials with middle-aged men riding tractors for your viewing pleasure. So to get us ready and preview for the game coming up on Wednesday against Wisconsin Badgers, Dayton Flyers don't typically get a chance to battle against Big Ten teams, so we can bask in, uh, in the resume boost that this could be for Dayton if they were to pull out a win. But uh, to help us out, learn a little bit more about our foes and who we're taking on on Wednesday, I brought on Abby Schnabel, who is in her second year covering the Wisconsin Badgers for the Wisconsin State Journal. Is that right, Abby? Right? That is correct. Yeah, the State Journal, Madison.com, Badger Extra, all of those things. Okay, yeah. Um, And I want to say this just at the top of the show. You can tell that that we're growing and we're expanding and we're broadening our horizons on this show because I'm going to say in my seven years, I think this is my first female guest 
that is previewing a team on the other side. So congratulations. Congratulations. First one. That is that is amazing. I'm so I'm so happy to be the first one. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking back this morning, uh, we we're recording on Sunday uh, to release to you, our listeners on Monday, November 21st. Uh, but I was thinking this morning about it. And um, I couldn't couldn't think of one other uh, lady friend that we had on the podcast that, uh, that previewed another team. So thank you for joining. And it's a pleasure to have you on. I know Dayton fans are um, not familiar with the Badgers at all. And so that's what we're going to get into today. But before we do, uh, I like to talk about you, you know, your journey and whatnot. Um, with your second year covering the Badgers, um, coming out of Loyola, is, is that right? That's where you went to school in Chicago? Yep, Loyola, Chicago, when they were still in the MVC. Yeah, those days are long gone now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so walk us through your journey. I mean, how how did you decide you wanted to cover basketball for a living? Was that a childhood dream? Was that something you picked up when you were in college? Uh, walk us down that path for, for all the listeners. It was uh, definitely not always the plan. I mean, I always grew up loving college basketball. Like my mom uh, is a huge college basketball fan. Like March Madness week, like the first week, she would let us take off Thursday and Friday. And I say us, I have two brothers. We would get to take off Thursday and Friday to watch all the games. Always had a, a bunch of TVs in the living room. And so I always grew up being a college fan. Started out picking out my brackets by like what color the teams were wearing. But then... Uh, grew to know, you know, a little bit more about the teams. And then they won a lot of pools doing that, too. That's always who wins those damn things. Like the girl, it's like, I just picked I mean, it because of the colors. And you're like, God damn it. She won fifteen hundred dollars. Yep. Yep. I never won. But there were a lot of upsets I predicted because my favorite color was purple. So uh, as a kid, so anytime there was a purple team, I was like, yep, they're going to win. And it worked out in my favor sometimes, but I eventually did grow into like, you know, actually looking at the teams, but the Cinderella's and the mid-majors have always been my favorite. I just love an underdog story. Um, and so I had decided to go to Loyola with the intention of actually being pre-med. Like I had planned to go to medical school. That was always the goal. Um, but I wrote for my student paper because I did that in high school and I thought it'd be fun. Um, and it just so happened that my freshman year of college was Loyola Chicago's final four run. And so it was a combination of hating my chemistry class, but loving what I was getting to do, um, while covering, uh, Loyola sports in general, but also getting to help with the coverage of the final four that I was like, you know what, I'm going to switch my major. I'm going to go full in on journalism and hopefully one day I will be a, um, college basketball beat reporter and you know it wasn't easy uh i essentially smashed a whole major into three years and had set a five-year plan of being a beat writer for a team i didn't think i would get it right away and then um a month after um my uh, the month after i graduated i was offered a job to cover the Wisconsin Badgers and I moved to Madison and yeah I'm on my second year didn't expect the Badgers to win the Big Ten regular season have a player of the year or any of that in my first season but uh 
I, I was set up for success because it's not like I hadn't covered a player of the year. Loyal had a few of those. I've covered NCAA tournaments. Um, but it's, it's just a lot different going from a mid-major to um, a Power 5 team. And I, I definitely didn't expect to get here as soon as I did, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And it's been it's been such a wild ride. You know, I've interviewed hundreds of people on this podcast over the years, um, media and otherwise. And the one common theme that I've always found with people in media that are chasing it as the dream or they're seasoned professionals 20 years into the business is that you always uh, they're all the beneficiary being at the right place at the right time. And um, and it sounds like you're no different there. You know, you're just right place, right time. You took advantage of your opportunities and here you are. So it's it's awesome to hear Um as a person who went the opposite route, uh, had the, the media degree, thought this was what I was going to do, and then I, I zigged and zagged the other direction. You kind of <laughs> w- went the opposite direction that I went. So it's it's cool to, to hear that um, you're kind of chasing the dream right now. And uh, going from uh, pre-med to uh, covering basketball is, is definitely a stark contrast. So uh, hats <laughs> off to you for really taking the plunge here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Loyola, you know, I got to cover two NCAA tournament runs, an NIT run, you kind of just can't help loving what you're doing. And so that definitely helped pull me into the direction and – yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being pre-med now. Like, I have a friend who's in medical school right now, and we're, we talk, and she's like, oh, yeah, no, I have a test this this day, this day, this day. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to the Bahamas to cover um, a men's basketball tournament, so <laughs> can't relate. Yeah, that's a tough week for you. I guess it's a pretty awesome way to, to spend Thanksgiving. Um so let's let's go into that a little bit. You flew down yesterday. Told me before we got on that uh, the travel day was a little bit long. But um, first impressions of the Bahamas. What do you think down there? I'm just so happy to not be in the snow and the cold. Because <laughs> the, cold the, the past three days in Madison, it was snowing, and then we—I say we because my aunt is down here with me. Um, we got off the plane and like ripped off our hoodies it was so humid um it was just amazing like the the stark contrast in weather and knowing that I didn't have to wear um a heavy coat a hat gloves just a just to not or just to be warm like I could just step outside and it, it's beautiful here like the the locals are so nice the food is delicious I've only literally only been here for probably about 12 hours or so now. Uh, Oh, it's a little more than 12 hours. We got in at three yesterday, but it's just beautiful. Like I'm spending the whole day on the beach. I just, I just can't wait to get to explore it a little bit more too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast here. I'm talking out loud before you, uh, you hit the beach and get some rays and and come back with a little sunburn on your nose. So, um, yeah, much obliged, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I kind of, I always love these tournaments over Thanksgiving because it, it gives you something to do when you're with the family, you know, over the holidays. I myself have never been able to get to one of these. And um, so I'm always supremely jealous of people that get to do it because it's um, it's just different, right? Like you're not going into this like raucous college basketball environment. I mean, it's kind of I mean, because the Battle for Atlantis, if I'm not mistaken, is in kind of like a conference center. It's not like a proper gymnasium, right? Yeah, it's actually they set down the floor in a ballroom. Yeah, so that's right. It has that weird like it, blue lighting and shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not looking forward to, to that aspect because the the gym <laughs> lights always give me a little bit of a headache. So I can't imagine that the the, the inauthentic lighting that they're going to have um, is going to help whatsoever. But yeah, it's a very unique environment. I mean, I got the, the chance to cover the Maui Invitational last season, but in Vegas because COVID moved it to Vegas. And so... Um, that was in an arena and that was a lot different of an experience because there's never really a time, even in the NCAA tournament, where you're playing three games back to back to back. Yep. And so you get to learn a lot about the teams and how they can handle that pressure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, on that same uh, same breath, we can kind of get into a little bit about Wisconsin. I know um, I myself don't know too much about them this year because I'm pretty singularly focused on our Dayton Flyers, for better or worse. <laughs> Um, but uh, Wisconsin Badgers come into this game 3-0 and on the year, taking down South Dakota, Stanford, and Green Bay. Um, they're coming into the game against Dayton, 43rd in Ken Palm. Your Dayton Flyers right now 39th. Um, you know, dubious to rely on these rankings so early in the year, but nonetheless, uh, it does look like we're going to have a pretty even matchup. I think when Ken Palm numbers initially came out, Dayton was probably a four or five-point favorite because they've looked a little lackluster to start the year, that's now dropped down to a one-point line. I think it'll be pretty close to a pick once we get to game time. But uh, let's let's start there when it comes to the Badgers. I know last year, like you said, a ton of success. Big Ten regular season championship. Uh, they got bounced in the first round of the conference tournament. I feel like that's how it goes all the time. Um, and then as a three-seed, uh, beat Colgate and lost in the second round to Iowa State. Um, on the back of Johnny Davis, who was just an electric, like such an exciting player to, to watch last year. But uh, now that he's gone and Brad Davison finished up his ninth season in Madison, um, <laughs> those jokes write themselves. Um, what, what what can we expect in this team? I mean, it, it stands to reason that this is kind of a fresh look team and then they're really not going to mimic anything that happened last year, right? It's, it's kind of a new team and turn the page and um, it's not going to be a, a very similar last year, right? Right. And well, real quick, what's so funny about all the Brad Davison jokes is um, Brad Davison and I are literally four months apart in age. And so it was always so funny, everyone calling him old. And I'm just like, yeah, Brad's old. <laughs> me out here at age 23. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's going to look a lot different. Um, maybe not a completely new look because I think a lot of people forget, yes, Brad and Johnny led the team last year, but the Badgers do return three starters in uh, Stephen Crowell, Chucky Hepburn, and Tyler Wall, and they weren't anything to bat an eye at. Like, they all had their performances. They just weren't the go-to guys. They weren't the dominant guys. And so you have those three that are kind of the core unit of this team. And what's what's great about that is that Chucky Hepburn, tons of experience at the point guard, really gives you someone to kind of build a team around. Um, Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell really control the the front court for UW. And so having those guys and really just needing two people to come in and kind of help facilitate scoring because that we did that is the thing that was lost with Johnny and Brad uh, departing ways. Um, and so looking towards, they all want to score more. They all have to score more. It's very much a team that it is all hands on deck. 
Um, it's not going to be just Johnny Davis going out there dropping 20-plus points every single game because that's just not who these guys that we have left over are. But there are a lot of great pieces. Um, they brought in uh, two transfers in Kamari McGee and Max Klesmit from Green Bay and Wofford, respectively. They had a really nice uh, freshman and Connor Asigian. And they do have a lot of guys that, you know, moved over on the chair and are now coming off the bench first, second, third, rather than eighth, ninth, tenth. Um, so it, it, it's a good, it's an interesting team. I think at the, if you would have asked me, uh, before the season started, I would have said, oh my gosh, I don't see how UW can beat Dayton just because once again, I am, um, hot on the mid-majors. I love mid-major basketball. So I tend to think more highly of mid-majors, um, especially coming in on such a close game. But then I saw that Stanford game and I was like, well, this team does have the capability to beat these um, teams that kind of can put pressure on them. But then you guys had a lackluster game against UNLV the same night that UW only beat Green Bay by 11 points. And so yeah. I just, I don't know. I think it really is going to come down to who can shoot, who can limit, and who keeps control of the ball. Because the, these two teams are very similar. And it's going to, it's really anyone's game. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I mean, you know, at first look right now, um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm picking up and, and what, you know, that's what you're putting down right now as well. Um, reminder for listeners, we're on with Abby Schnabel right now who covers uh, the Badgers for Madison.com and Wisconsin State Journal. Um, wanted to go back real quick because we did talk about this briefly before we went on, but uh, the second game of the year you guys had against uh, Stanford was actually played at Miller Park, now American Family Field, the home of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I am never a huge proponent of sticking a rectangular basketball court in a stadium that is not meant for that at all. Uh, I think we have like a million places to play basketball in this country and even more places that you can play football, which is, you know, the same size as a bas or the same um, shape as a basketball court. So I never quite understand why we need to play these things in baseball stadiums, but what did your take on that? What did you think about it? Were you a fan? Was it cool? I guess it, you kind of do it for the experience, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because there's a lizard on my balcony right now. This um, is good podcast pure, content right here. It really is. Pure, you, there's pure, no lizards in my window. Pure Bahamas. There is, a, there is a lizard just sitting on the balcony. Um, yes, no, <laughs> awesome. it was a... <laughs> it was a really weird experience going to the baseball field because, you know, you know, they did it in 2015, um, Petco Park, San Diego and San Diego State. Um, they did it. And it was interesting because I know this is something UW coach Greg Gard has been trying to do for, he says, close to 15 years now. Um, I was nervous for just the aspect of even with the doors closed, it was going to be cold. Like, there's nothing you can do. It's a heated arena, but at the same time, really, how much can you heat a, an arena of that capacity? We knew it wasn't really selling well, so we were nervous about that aspect. And so I just didn't really know what to expect going in, like how the players were going to play, how the fans were going to react. And honestly, I was kind of blown out of the water. The fans really did show up, despite how ticket sales were looking. Um, it felt like... You were, it felt like a home game, and honestly, sometimes better because the fans were a lot like felt like they were right on top of us. Because yeah. um, I was, I was sitting on the court, we were behind the, the baseline, and it, honestly, 
because I don't sit on the court at regular UW games at the Kohl Center, it was just a different experience that I could really hear the fans. Um, and I thought the team did, you know, do pretty well. Uh, they were shooting. I don't remember exactly what they shot, but it was really all hands on deck, like I said, and that's just how this team is going to be. And it was their first tough opponent, and I thought they really responded well. But the whole thing was just kind of weird because, you know, they had fans sitting in front of us, and so whenever we couldn't see, we were turning our heads to look at the, like, big screen out in the outfield. And yep. It was, it was very odd, and it was cold. Um, I was wearing a sweater, a long sleeve, um, a coat. Like, it was cold. And it was just a de- definitely a unique experience. I keep saying, though, how how does this rate on, for the, the Badgers, the players? Because they did go to France this summer, yeah. and then they played in the baseball field, and now they're in the, they're coming to the Bahamas. So where does that rate on the, the excitement level? But they looked like they were having a great time, and – I really enjoyed it, except for the navigating through the crowd to get back to the interview room. Uh, But it it was a good experience. I mean, I don't want to do it every year, but once once is cool. Yeah, once every couple of years is probably just plenty um, from that aspect. Uh, You can follow Abby on Twitter for the next couple of days here, if you're so inclined, at Abby Schnabel. That's S-C-H-N-A-B-L-E. Um, as I look through Wisconsin again, three, no, um, I, I, I was going to say they haven't really been challenged, but I don't really feel like that. That's probably not accurate. What jumps off the page to me about the first three games again, uh, that Wisconsin has had is that it seems like they're playing a defensive brand of basketball. They haven't given up 60 points yet. It was 60 to 50 against Stanford. And then green Bay was an absolute slugfest, 56 to 45, um, you know, on the other side of the table here, Abby, this is exactly the kind of basketball that Dayton wants to play. They want to play slow. They want to get into the half-court offense. They want to force their opponents into tough shots late into the shot clock, and they want to win with defense first. And so it kind of feels like this is going to be a first-to-60 type of game. Is that the style that Wisconsin is trying to play this year, or has that just been how things have shaken out in the first three games? That's how Wisconsin always is. They want to be defensive-minded. They want to not turn the ball over. They want to force turnovers and capitalize on their opponent's mistakes. What I have noticed about Dane is that they don't make that many mistakes, although they do average 14.3 turnovers per game. So that number is Yeah, that UNLV game, we had had a lot of turnovers at UNLV game. We had like 24 turnovers. And like Loyola, or Loyola um, Badgers, their their numbers skew too because typically they're under ten per game, but then they turn the ball over a lot against Green Bay. Um, but I think it really is going to come to down to who can control the ball better and who can hit their shots because from the research I've done, it seems like a majority of uh, Dayton's points come from within the paint. Um, UW has really been limited within the paint and hasn't really had the chance to score a lot down there and when they have they haven't really been connecting on their shots but one thing that they have really improved on from last season is they are hitting threes I mean they're going 38.5 percent from three-point range um so I think if Dayton really does shut down um down low I I think the Badgers are going to be able to respond and find other ways to score uh I don't know how well you guys are able to defend against uh Tyler Wall Stephen Crow because they are just like purely 
big 10 bigs in every definition of the word. And so I'm not sure how that matchup shakes out necessarily, but I am excited to see Holmes really, really go for it. But from what I've been told about Dayton is that if your game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been told that if Dayton's game plan gets shut down, they don't really know how to go and respond. Whereas Wisconsin does really respond well when being shut down the original game plan. Your lips to God's ears, Abby. Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say we – I talked about it at the top of the show here this week is um, that is the biggest concern I have with Dayton so far this year. And you talk about concerns. We're only four games into the season. You know, you're not like, you know, pressing the panic button or anything. But um, it happened against UNLV, and I think – that is one of the things I'm going to be watching for as we go and take on tougher opponents like Wisconsin is that you're absolutely right. When the game's not going the way Dayton wants, when they're getting taken out of, let's call it their normal rhythm on offense, we don't respond well. Whether that's coaching, whether that's the guys uh, you know, being rigid in their approach, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, we've seen this with previous Dayton teams under Anthony Grant where making adjustments in-game uh, seems to be challenging. And so I think that's going to be the key to the season is when things aren't going your way, when the game plan is getting shut down, how do you pivot to other forms of offense? And I think Dayton at times has gotten away from simplifying the approach on offense. And when I say simplifying, I mean dumping it down low and um, getting your offense running through homes. I think UNLV was able to limit him severely, which is why Dayton lost that game. Uh, He scored two points against UNLV. So I think that's the key for Wisconsin. And you said it, they have two big men down low, big 10 bigs, you know, that know how to defend the post and, um, and limit your looks around the hoop. Um, You know, so Tyler Wall and Crowell, they're six, nine, seven foot guys for the listeners. Um, and that's that's going to be the challenge for Dayton, right, is, is how do they counteract that? Because they haven't really shown an ability to do that yet. And uh, struggling you know, just yesterday on Saturday against Robert Morris to score 60 points. And, and so definitely, you know, concerns abound right now. But, um, you know, let me ask you this as we're, we're kind of finishing up here. What is a, a successful trip for Wisconsin? I mean, is the expectation to, to try and win it all? Because I know in Dayton land, you know, obviously you're, you're bullish, so you want to win them all. But a two and one trip for Dayton's great. One and two, we're going to have some concerns. And if they don't win a game, obviously we're going to be hitting the panic button. But you know, what, what's a, a good weekend here for Wisconsin look like? So I think success for Wisconsin is measured a lot of different ways. I think they want to win against win, uh, against Dayton on Wednesday for a multitude of reasons. I think, like you mentioned earlier, this is a huge resume game for Dayton. Absolutely, mid-majors need these wins over Power 5 yeah, teams. Not so but much I also Wisconsin, th- obviously, right? Yeah, but I also do think that this is their first opponent that um, has gotten national notoriety. And even if Dayton does fall out of the rankings on Monday because of the UNLV loss, I think this is a game that Wisconsin needs to show that they can um, they can they can win. I think they need to show that they're. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Stanford was good, but Stanford isn't nationally ranked. Um, and so I think obviously they want to win on um, Wednesday. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure whoever ends up winning that game has Kansas in the second round. So I don't know if really anyone can win Kansas. I know that they say they want to bring back the championship, 
um, because they did win the Maui Invitational last season. But I'm not sure that that's a reasonable goal. Um, so I think two and one is ideal. And then, um, but the big thing that I think they want to see and that comes on the court is they want to make sure that like they're really trying to solidify this rotation and they also need to see that other guys can pick up the slack against green Bay, Tyler wall and Chucky Hepburn were limited to a combined four for 25. Now that's an off night for both of them. That's not going to happen often, but they did respond decently well in that they did have other guys come up and score. I think they really need to see that continue this year and hopefully, or this weekend. And hopefully, um, you know, Wall and Hepburn aren't limited to, to that much. But just the fact of depth was a huge issue for the Badgers last year. Really no one after the starting five was scoring. And that is something, I'm going to plug my story, I wrote about it actually this, today, Sunday, um, is, is they need to continue to see that depth progress statistically it doesn't also have to be on the stat sheet though and so I think as long as they're seeing those good things and that they continue to look for good shots I think Greg Gard's going to walk away happy obviously like you said we don't want to lose three games I don't see I really just don't see that happening for Wisconsin I think at minimum they win at least one but I think we're going to learn a lot from both teams but I think Wisconsin is going to learn a lot against Dayton on Wednesday yeah, absolutely. And um, wrapping up right now with Abby Schnabel, who covers the Badgers for uh, Wisconsin State Journal and Madison.com here. Again, you can follow her at Abby Schnabel, S-C-H-N-A-B-L-E. Um, and yeah, for other listeners or people that haven't necessarily looked at the bracket yet, I know before we got on, we were kind of saying the same thing, how we hadn't looked at the other side of the bracket. But um, you know, my concern for Dayton fans going in is that there's going to be a decent team that loses three games in, in uh, Atlantis because the other side of the bracket is USC. You got BYU, Tennessee, and Butler. There really isn't a bad team in this field. I mean, NC State is arguably the worst team in this field right now, I believe. Um, so, you know, it, it gives me concern because once you you look down the slate here, you're saying to yourself, all right, um, you know, if Dayton, let's say, has an off day night one, it really doesn't get any easier for them. And um, so, again, that's kind of my concern. But let's uh, let's wrap up with this, Abby. Keys to the game for for Wisconsin to come out with a win on Wednesday, and uh, and then you know, regale us with a prediction. What do you think? How's it going to go? Uh, so actually, Butler has the lowest Ken Palm of uh, all the teams in the in Butler the, does okay. In the I was field. curious. The, yeah. They're, they're the only one that's under 100 right now, actually, which is fascinating. Um, yeah. But, no, for Wisconsin, I think you're going to need to see – I think they're going to need to shut down homes. Like, I think yeah. that's key to the game. I'm interested to see – because uh, I know you guys have Malachi Smith back now, and yep. we haven't really talked about him. But I am interested to see how he does, because I know he only scored five points against Robert Morris. Yep. But I think Chucky Hepburn has a has a big defensive responsibility with him. But I think it's going to be shutting those two down and scoring from everywhere on the floor. I think you're going to need to see points from in the paint, even if Holmes is shutting Crowd or, and or Wall down. I think you're going to need to see three-pointers. I think keys really come down to just playing good basketball. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but we really haven't seen a just solid, good 
play from Wisconsin yet. And they've been able to get away with it because they've been making mistakes, but they haven't been playing teams that have really been able to capitalize on those mistakes. Dayton will. It's not Dayton can. It's Dayton will capitalize on those mistakes. And so they need to limit mistakes. They need to be making the most out of every single one of their opportunities while shutting down Dayton's. And I think the same is for Dayton. I think it's a very similar game plan for them. And I think whoever is able to do that better will end up with the win. Um, are you asking for my score prediction with that or just, just who do I think is going to win? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, give the whole thing. Full prediction. Okay, so I'm going to see my heart. The the pure basketball fan in me wants me to give it to Dayton. And I think if you had a absolutely 100% healthy Malachi Smith going into this game, I would say Dayton. But because yeah. of the UNLV loss, the shakiness there, mm-hmm. um, I have to give it to Wisconsin right now because I yeah. think Wisconsin is playing a bit better basketball. But I truly do believe it's either team's game. Like, it's yep. not a situation in which, oh, Big Ten team's coming in and blowing them out. That's not going to happen. Um, I could be surprised, but I don't see that happening. And so I guess yeah. I, uh, I, I'm i going to go 62, like 55-ish Whoever wins mm-hmm. isn't going to win by much unless there's an abnormality yeah. in this game. And I, I think it's going to be very low scoring, too. Um, I'd be surprised if we hit 30 um, for both teams at the half. Uh, but it, it's going to be – like I people always say that low scoring games aren't exciting, and I totally disagree because uh, yeah. defense is my favorite part of the game. So having these two really defensive-minded teams go at it is, is just the college basketball lover in me is so excited to see this and get the chance to cover it. Absolutely. And the game tips off at 2.30 on Wednesday afternoon. Kansas-NC State is going to tip off first game of the tournament at noon. Uh, USC takes on BYU at 5 o'clock. These are all Eastern times. And then Tennessee takes on Butler for the nightcap at 7.30. Winner plays Thursday, Thanksgiving morning at 11. Loser uh, goes down to 4 p.m. Eastern. That, again, is on Thanksgiving and then the third day of the tournament. There's no break day. Like you said, that's a weird one. Um, Usually you get that one break day, but this is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So by Friday evening, we will know a lot about these two teams. Uh, Abby, pure joy uh, having you on the podcast. This is awesome. Great stuff. Um, We always close the show for the evening with final thoughts for our guests and uh, you are definitely no different in that regard. So do you have any final thoughts for the guests before we let you go and uh, get some sun down there? Uh, final thoughts are just, first of all, thank you for having me. I respect yeah. the heck out of your fan base. And so I want all the listeners to hear that it's not easy being a fan of a <laughs> mid-major team. I understand that well. And some people are going to give dedic- you grief for calling Dayton a mid-major, see? Yeah, yeah, you walk but, into a mousetrap there. <laughs> but they, but they are so definition wise, real. they are. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, it's not easy being a fan of a non Power Five. How about I say it that way? There you it's go. It's much better. Easy. PC. Yeah. It's it's not easy being a fan of a non Power Five, and so I respect the hell out of how much your fan base is so dedicated to following this team. And I really do wish you the best uh, in this season. Uh, it's easier for me to cover wins, so sure, I want Wisconsin to win on Wednesday. Um, but that's also to avoid having to cover a 10 p.m. game on Friday. Um, yeah. So so good luck 
And I hope the listeners know that I'm rooting for Dayton a little bit uh, because it's just they're a hell of a team and I want to see them do well. Yeah, while remaining objective, as you do as a journalist, so we certainly understand. Um, That'll do it for Talking Out Loud tonight uh, for Abby Schnabel. I am Sully. I'll get you out of here with a song, nothing on the radio this week, and uh, getting you ready again for the 2.30 tip-off between Dayton and Wisconsin. Always a joy when we get to catch up with other fan bases, people who cover the sport. That's what we love here is college basketball, and there's plenty of others like yourself. Uh, that love it as much as we do. So for Abby, I'm Sully. It's Talking Out Loud where there are two rules. You wear red and be loud. And we will catch you, you know, I think later on, maybe next week. Not next week, but yeah, we'll catch you in a couple days. Later. My homie Molly State, 79th mate. One of my best friends from back in the day. Down the street from Calumet, a school full of stones. He nicknamed me K-Rocks, so there, leave me alone. Bulls jacket with his hat broke way off. Walked around the mall with his radio face off. Plus he had a spinner from his datings in his hand. Keys in his hand, reason again to let you know he's the man. Back when we rocked the leases, he had dreams. Of caprices, drove by the teachers, even more by police. How he get the cash today? His father passed away, left him with a little something. 16, he was stunting. I'll be sure, nigga, with the hair all wavy. Hit Lake Shore, girls go all crazy. Hit the freeway, go at least about 80. Won't so much that summer, even had him a baby. See, back back then, then, if you had a car, you was the shot town version of baby. And I was just a virgin of baby. One of the reasons I looked up to him crazy. I used to love to play my demo tape when the system yanked Felt like I was almost signed when the shit got cranked We'd take a Saturday and just circle the mall They had the Lincolns and Auroras, we was hurting them all With the girls, a lot of flirting involved But dog, fuck all that flirting, I'm trying to get in some draws So, put me on with these hoes, homie he told me don't rust to get grown Drive slow, homie, drive slow, homie You never know, homie, about these hoes, homie. You need to pump your brakes and drive slow, homie. What it do? I'm posted up in the parking lot, my trunk waving. The candy gloss is immaculate, it's simply amazing. The male bows poking wide on the candy leg trunk. Open screens on me, I'm sleep with fifth relax. I'm on a mission for dime pieces and sexy ladies. Allow me to introduce you to my CL Mercedes. It's a star studded event when I valet park. Open up my mouth in sunlight, illuminates the dark. You see them foes crawling, you see them screens falling. The disco ball in my mouth, insinuates some bowling. I'm leaning on the switch, sitting crooked in my slab. But I can still catch poppers if I drove a cab A young Houston hard hitter All about the Skrilla Riding some candy coated Crawling like a caterpillar I'm tipping on them foes I'm jamming on this group I'm looking for them hoes Baby, what it do? Drive slow, homie Turn your hazard lights on When you see them hoes Drive slow, homie If you're riding around the city With nowhere to go Drive slow, homie Live today, cause tomorrow, man, you never know. You never know, homie. Might meet some hoes, homie. You need to pump your brakes and drive slow, homie. My car's like the movie, my car's like the crib. I got more TVs in here than where I live. And I don't make no sense, but baby, I'm the shit. And everything I flick, you know what some says. I got the custom grill, I got the Bravis rims, I got the ball of genetics, baby, this evidence. You see a player flicking, and how you ain't convinced that you should go on kissing. Smoking on that fantasy
bitch Cali green My wood grain oak, I'm riding on Vogue's My cylinder quiet, like tiptoes I sold O's, and this I know When you see them hoes, little homie dry slow Dry slow, dry slow Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.